We now welcome former UFC Bantamweight champion and current number 11th ranked contender Dominic Cruz. Dom, thank you for the time today, sir. Yeah, you're welcome. We will take the first set of questions from Jay Anderson with Cage Side Press. Yeah, thanks very much. And uh, Dominic, thanks for the time today. I, I want to start off with uh, the matchup itself. Um, from an outsider's perspective, it, it seemed a little surprising. You're getting, you know, obviously a hungry uh, young up-and-comer. Um, but as a former champ coming off a title, thought, title fight, it felt like maybe you get a ranked guy, a veteran guy. Just talk to us about the matchup and why particularly this name. Well, I mean, a ranked guy, I get that. To say a better guy, I don't really know what that would mean. That would be an interpretation. But a ranked guy, I get that people would think that. Um, but realistically, when I look at Sean Shelby offering me this fight, uh, he put me with somebody on a three-fight winning streak. And I'm, all, I'm technically, I was on a three-and-a-half-year layoff before I took that title fight. Now, the real question is, would I have fought for the title under normal circumstances being a global pandemic takes place? <laughs> when does that happen? Uh, never. And you can never, like, write that ever in a million years that that's what's going to shift a Jose Aldo versus Henry Cejudo fight and close the borders down and lock Aldo out, who'd been preparing for that fight for two-plus months. Um, so I slid in there on six weeks' notice as, uh, you know, I'd vied for, I had been pushing for that fight because uh, I knew I had a good, a good chance against Henry, and I didn't, I didn't succeed in that fight. So after a three-and-a-half-year layoff and then another, I spent the last six months training, I think that this is what they gave me. I mean, what am I going to do? Fair enough. And that should have been a better known guy in that question. But, uh, you know, if you put on your, your analyst cap for this one, what does uh, Casey Kenny bring to the table that you need to watch out for? Well, I mean, he has, he started with a grappling background from what I can tell. He's got a black belt in judo, so he's going to have very strong hips. If anybody knows anything about judo, because they're some of the toughest human beings on the planet, they're basically thrown on their head every single day and they allow it to happen. Um, Mixed with grappling, arm bars, good at taking the back. Comes from uh, the lab with Benson Henderson, who's an extremely good grappler and good guillotines and uh, good back takes, like I said earlier. And works with John Crouch, who's an analytical coach, so who I've known for many years. So they know my style. I've got tons of hours of film on there. So they're going to be well prepared for me. I know that. I'm well prepared for them. I've obviously gotten to watch a lot of film on these guys, too. And, uh, you know, he's improved his stand-up a lot, too, over the years. Um, he's got he's on a three-fight winning streak. He just beat a known striker named Nathaniel Wood. And he's a pure striker, not really more of a grappler. And he went most of the fight striking with him. So he's picked up and he's improved a lot in every aspect. And you got to remember, um, as a champion, I've faced guys that, you know, weren't ranked in one year and they win three fights or they win two fights in spectacular fashion and next thing i know i'm fighting them for the title so it's all perception it's all interpretation on who deserves what and realistically the ranking has to do with what you're getting paid more than it has to do with your skill set as a fighter i can tell you that fair enough and uh, you know I, I asked you to put on your analyst cap there and i'm just curious i mean as you have progressed in your your broadcast career um, do you find yourself picking up 
lessons from fights that you watch live in the cage, little tidbits here and there that you can then bring into your game? Yeah, you can. You, of course, it's a learning, it's a learning thing if you choose it, but can also be too much. You know, it's like if you got an encyclopedia of information constantly going off in your head, sometimes you got to quiet the mind. So it takes balance to be able to quiet the mind, turn the analyst off and just be in the moment, be present, be in the state of flow. And so it's a gift. It can also be a curse, but um, I've definitely learned a lot. I started doing it because I was hurt. So instead of just being hurt on the sidelines, doing nothing, to be able to have the gift of being able to analyze fights was, was I'm grateful for it. All right, and one more for me. Um, you know, you were very vocal about the criticism of Keith Peterson after that uh, last fight. I don't believe the ref assignments have come out for UFC 259 yet, but if he was assigned, um, would you accept that? Would you try to appeal? I don't know what the, uh, the options are, to be honest with you, but, you know, what would be your play? Yeah, I would hope that they wouldn't do that. Mark Ratner reached out and said that he could make sure that the commission doesn't put him out there to ref my matches. I don't really feel safe with him as a referee. Um, but you can't control the commission. The commission runs itself. Um, no, it's an outside entity on purpose. So if they decide to do that, I don't know why they would do that, but they might. Um, what can you do? I don't, I don't think I could even, on the night of, I don't think I could do anything of it if they decided to do that. I think I'd just be in that position. Um, I do, I would love it. You know, even a guy like Mayweather and his fights gets to choose his referee. I would love it if, you know, one day we get that option. I mean, they've got three or four referees per night. Why not give us an option to choose who we want to ref our fight? And uh, even if me and the fighter agree on it, but, you know, maybe that's, Maybe that's the next change in the future. There's been a lot of changes in the sport. Who knows? All right. Well, I appreciate the time and best of luck this weekend. Yep. Thanks. We will take the next set of questions from Cote Cruz with Four to Win MMA. How you doing, Dominic? Good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks. Well, uh, how's the fight week going for you right now? How are you feeling? Um. It's, it's kind of interesting. It's weird because I've never done it. I mean, it's obviously new circumstances. I'm used to a specific protocol in my past fights and now we're under these COVID uh, protocols. So it's very different. Um, so it's a little bit weird. Like I'm doing this interview like this instead of seeing your face, but everything's normal as for my weight cut as for everything else. Well, you've experienced this part of the sport without the fans as a commentator, but You've never had it as a fighter, right? One time. One time. How, how did you feel this is going to be? I was the very first fight in COVID, and um, I've been in the I've been in here a lot, commentating fights. So I know that you'll hear the commentators and you'll hear your coaches. To me, it's it it's reminiscent of high school wrestling matches when you've got like the two coaches yelling at you. You got the big light shining right, down right. in the middle of the wrestling mat, and you know very limited fans are at the wrestling meets because of the singlets and in high school, everybody's scared of the singlets. So <laughs> a lot of fans. So it's pretty similar to that. It takes me back to my, my wrestling days. Well, you're one of the true OGs of the sport. Your career is something that fans and media will cherish alike um, because of the way you fight, the inspiration you gave to the MMA community after your comeback to the game, reclaiming the title against tremendous odds. And of course, 
because of all of your body of work, which includes some amazing rivalries. Uh, what would you say is your favorite rivalry from all your career? Favor, Benavides, Dillashaw, or is it somebody else? Man, I mean, if you think about it, Favor, TJ Dillashaw, and Benavides was all the same rivalry. They're all from yeah, the same Yeah, it's basically a you versus alpha male, right? <laughs> it was, yeah. So I'd have to go with that. And, you know, rivalries bring the best out of each other. So, um, you know, you can't have Batman's got Joker you know, uh, Superman has, you know, kryptonite and all that's like what, whoever comes to him, Lex Luthor, um, you need. I'm just really curious about the, the segue that you're going to do with favor and the guys as, I don't he's know, not the, he's not, he's not really the villain. I, I think I was more the villain at the time back then, to be honest, perceived that way. because he was more known than me, but you need that dynamic in order to create the most emotion and the most want and need to see these fights. I mean, look at John Jones and Daniel Cormier. Those were some of the coolest rivalries too. There's so many cool rivalries out there that um, I'm honored to have had it with them. With them, and they're all like some of the best athletes in the world. So, um, yeah, what can what can you say other than that? Yeah, absolutely. I I completely understand that. Well, right now you're in a spot of the card that caused mild controversy. Some people were surprised to see you in the prelims but you're actually cool with it due to the fact that it brings more exposure, right? Can you comment on what it's like for you to compete against an exciting prospect like Casey Kenny in that viewership sweet spot in such a landmark event? Yeah, I think people, I appreciate people standing for me and saying Dominic should be on the main card, but in all, in all honesty, it's one of the most viewed slots on the entire fight card, if not more than the main event itself. I mean, people are call, tuning into the main card to watch the main event. Don't get me wrong, but this is a free fight on ESPN. So everybody's going to be watching it and it leads the card off like the lead hitter of the baseball game or the lead hitter of the lineup. So I'm excited to be there. Uh, Casey Kenny is, like you said, in an exciting matchup because of his durability, his skill set. He's improved a lot in his striking over the last three fight win streak that he's pieced together. Um, I've lost my last two fights. Uh, they were title fights. They were amongst some of the best in the world. So I'm excited to test myself against somebody who's on a win streak. And um, that's what this is. It's really just a big test for myself. It's not anything else. It's like, how can I challenge myself? This is the UFC is the NFL of fighting. It's the best organization in the world, hands down, plain, simple, period. And the number one reason is because we are drug tested, I believe. That's one of the main reasons we're drug tested. So, you know, there's no cheating going on. It's physically impossible to cheat with USADA on your back, in my opinion. So that makes it the cleanest, uh, cleanest organization in the sport right now, period. And then the competition is at the highest level too. So I'm excited to be here and it's a, it's a, I'm grateful for it. The Lord has blessed me. <laughs> Well, sir, best of luck on your fight. On a more personal note, I really want to thank you for bringing, bringing so many glory days to the crew's last name. We share uh, last name. So I might or I may not have said that we were cousins on Twitter once. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time, man, and best of luck on Saturday. Thanks, guys. <laughs> we will take the next set of questions from Nikita Gorshenin with Sport Express. Dominic, big honor to talk to you. Yeah, my pleasure. 
Dominic, uh, this year marks five years since uh, your masterpiece fight against TJ Dillashaw. Personally, I think the best fight in UFC history. Uh, have you ever rewatched this fight and have you proud feeling that you were proud of this strategical masterpiece? I was. Yeah, I'm very proud of that fight because he also got popped for cheating and I'm pretty sure he was cheating in that fight. The one thing I'll never forget he said after that fight was you got good cardio. That's what you say after that five round war, you got good cardio. Well, now we know why. Um, and, you know, it's very interesting to me how it went down and I look back at it and I think, yeah, it was, it was a special moment in time because I was able to be in the, the purest present, most present uh, form of myself in that night. And I look forward to recreating that type of uh, me this Saturday. Were you surprised uh, with uh, TJ Cardell? Because in this fight, he uh, threw tremendous amount of high kicks. And this is very exhausting type of uh, strike. And he just, I don't know, threw 50 head kicks, but he was never tired. Were you surprised with his cardio in this fight? No, I expect everybody to come in super good shape. That's why I come in such good shape. Um, I expect everybody to be Superman when I fight them. So I prepare to fight Superman. I prepare to fight King Kong. It does, like That's the thing about a fight. You're fighting a human being to the death. Do you, do you prepare less for that because of some ranking or some thing, you know? Um, yeah, he, he didn't get tired, and now we know why. Uh, Dominic, today we have golden standard of UFC fight of the night when two guys go to bloody carnage, just kill each other. Uh, but your fight with TJ was without blood even. It wasn't carnage, but it was truly masterpiece. Are you a little bit disappointed that public, uh, mass public uh, doesn't appreciate such strategical masterpieces like your fight with TJ? Yeah, it's, I think that what it is, is you got to really have a good keen eye for what's actually taking place. I mean, he did, he has very good technique. You can't take that away from him. But he still had the technique to go in there and fight the way he fought. Um, and, you know, mixing up stance switch, high kicks, low kicks, everything. Yeah, it was a very uh, high paced technical matchup. And all I can do is give you a virtual hug and say thank you for your respect because uh, it was definitely one of the greatest fights in the history of the sport, I believe. Yes, totally agree. Uh, Dominic, from all your opponents, how do you think who uh, was the smartest one? Joseph Benavides, Demetrius, or TJ, or maybe someone else? The smartest fighter that I've, the, the most intelligent fighter that I've fought, is that your question? Yes, yes. Fight IQ, fight IQ. Yeah, probably Demetrius, if I'm watching. You know, you got to watch their body of work before, after, during. I would say Demetrius has probably had the highest fight IQ because he didn't take me lightly either. Um, a lot of the guys that I fought from Team Alpha Male, I believe they kind of like took me lightly, overlooked me a little bit at the time. Um, and... Even Dillshaw, I think he did because of the layoff and the knee surgeries and whatnot. But Demetrius came in well-prepared with a good game plan. And he's always, you know, he's just a respectful guy that doesn't look past anybody. So I think that he just came with the right mindset. Dominic, uh, one question about Cody Garbrandt. 
public uh, thought that his fight, his performance against you was also masterpiece, and then he lost because he got so emotional. But in this fight, he was calm, cool, collected, and that's why he uh, played so great. Do you agree that Cody's performance against you was masterpiece, or he did the same mistake than he uh, then did with Dillashaw and Munoz fight? What's your total uh, issue with Cody? Yeah, I think I don't have an issue with Cody. I think he fought on that night was his night. I think that since he was, I mean, you heard all the interviews leading up to that. He's been watching me since he was young, like a kid. And then I had that rivalry with Alpha Male and I fought all their team while he watched me be teammate after teammate after teammate. That's quite a fire under you that, that gets lit. That's hours and hours of watching this champion as I, as I, uh, as I, closed out the division and, and beat everybody in the division, half the half those guys were his teammates. So you can imagine how often he's sitting there visualizing my style, how to beat my style, what he's got to do in order to, to get used to my style. That's what being a champion's about, bringing the best out of the people around you. If you're not, if you're not making people around you greater, then you're not a good champion. Then uh, you, and that can't happen unless you hold the belt for a long period of time. It was an honor to fight Cody. He fought me really well that night. I think I won two out of five rounds. He won three out of five rounds in that matchup and when I go back and watch it. But uh, he made good decisions, and you're right. He didn't get emotional. He knew with me he, that couldn't take place. And um, no excuses, but I was more emotional in that fight. I had to tap into some emotion in that fight to get through some of the pain. I, uh, I, I defended my title I attempted to defend it twice that year. I won, I fought three title fights in one year that year, and that's three of the best in the world. So my body was beat down going into that. My shoulder was hurting. I had tendonite, uh, plantar fascia tendonitis in both my feet. So anybody who's had that knows that's a, that's a very painful thing to have. And with all that, I tapped into a lot of emotion to get my body into it because that was the biggest payday I was ever going to get in the history of, of my career. Uh, so I couldn't say no to that fight because Ronda Rousey was on that card. Anybody knows that if Ronda Rousey or Conor McGregor, who are the biggest pay-per-view draws in the history of the sport so far, besides uh, George St. Pierre or John Jones, or even a Khabib nowadays is a very huge draw as well. Um, unless you have one of those star powers on the card, I was a champion where you only receive pay-per-view money if you're a champion holding the belt. So the UFC said, we need, uh, we want you on this card with Ronda Rousey. My body was not in any shape to take that fight, if I'm being honest. But because of the amount of money that I was finally going to get, I was finally going to get my big payday. I took that fight. And I don't take it back for one second. I went in there. It's not an excuse. I went in there knowing the shape of my body, knowing how I was going to show up, knowing that Cody was a young up-and-comer that uh, was ready to go. And I, I still believed I could win that fight with all my heart. And I was close. I was, I was close to winning that. I needed another round, but uh, it didn't happen. And uh, I'm honored to have fought him. And um, again, him losing the belt. And, you know, I said after that fight, I said, let's see how long he can keep it. Let's see how long any of these guys can keep it. Look back at my injuries or not. Because when you hold the belt, when you defend the belt, you greater because they have to come so uh to me that component of being a world-class champion 
Dominic, how do you think, uh, what year was your absolute prime, technical prime and physical prime? Man, that's a good question. That's hard to say. Honestly, I'd ha I, I haven't really thought of that. I would say uh, Saturday night. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Dominic, one question about your commentator work. Uh, what was the most emotional moment uh, while being commentator in UFC? Man, I would say probably the last, uh, well, it's a mixture of calling fights of people like calling fights of like TJ Dillashaw and Uriah Faber and Benavidez and all the guys that I've faced while my knees were blown out, calling those fights and talking about how great these guys were when I had to compete against them took a lot of uh, heart for, for me to move into supporting these fighters when everybody was talking about how, you know, TJ was, you know, this and that and Faber was this and that and all these, it was, it took a lot for me to move, set that all aside and just do do the job but um you know if you're there for the fighter themselves and you keep it you keep your ego out of it then you can do it so there's a lot of fights to say that but also the last fight that i commentated was was uh pretty emotional where frankie edgar had his fight against sanhagen that that same fight card because it was a month away from this fight and so to be in here in this atmosphere before my fight, calling fights, talking about other fighters, that was a different experience. I'd never really felt that before, and uh, so that was interesting. Uh, Dominic, has there ever been a situation uh, during your commentator job when you prepared for the tournament, breaking down fights, and you completely got idea of the future result, and when the, uh, the fight played out, and this was the result, and you have the feeling of deja vu, maybe. And maybe example, what was the fight was? I respectfully, I kind of don't understand the question. Uh, so let it, let me put it that way. You uh, prepared for the com, uh, for the tournament as a commentator. You watch fights, you analyze the styles of the fighters, and one specific pair of fighters, for example, fighter A against fighter B, and you analyzing and you got idea how the result will be. Uh, and when the fight played out on the Saturday night, it was completely the same result you found when you analyzed what was my feeling on that yes and what what the fight was it maybe example of this fight ah man it's hard to say because i've called so many now uh to be honest which one and i try not to i'm not really there to take track of what i do uh when i'm right because it's more about breaking down each style and and you got to think of fighters as not as like two puzzle pieces and how they fit together and that's how I try to look at every fight. And when you watch the film, you got to look for their, I look for their, their strengths and I see how each other's strengths are going to match up. And then I try to explain that to the world so that the world knows what to watch for. That's my job as a commentator is to explain to the fans and to the public what each other, what these two eight fighter A and fighter B's gifts are and how they're going to match with each other. And then also to explain for the fighter what their gifts are so that everybody's aware of how good these athletes are. So I've done that with a lot of fights. Um, John Jones, Daniel Cormier, I've done that with Conor McGregor and Khabib. I've done that with, uh, I mean, just so many. Um, but I've also had fights where, you know, get you get, uh, you get ridiculed for, for what you say. Um, 
actually, you know, to bring that up, to clear that off, here's an example. One of the things that I said and that you see all the time is Connor or Connor is trying to gas out Khabib with the punches. <laughs> That's what yes. I constantly hear. So, and one, something that Rogan said is, well, I don't think he can do anything about it. And there's a, there's a partial truth to that. I did not get my point across accurately in that moment. And so I take responsibility for that. The point I was trying to make in that particular fight is Muhammad Ali sat against the ropes for how long and ate how many punches and they called it the rope dope Am I wrong? He sat there, covered up and just eight shots, eight shots. Sometimes you don't have a choice because the, the, the opponent is just so strong and Khabib was manhandling, uh, Conor McGregor that night. I mean, he just completely owned him the entire fight. At that point, are you really going to waste energy trying to get up? Or are you just going to say, man, I give up trying to waste energy, get up. I'm going to cover up. And maybe for a moment, this guy will punch so much that he takes a breath of air. And then I can use that little breath, that little moment, that little space and time to get back up to my feet. So that was the point I was trying to make. Obviously, you can't gas somebody out getting beat up. But if you call it the rope-a-dope, apparently you can. Muhammad Ali did it with so many opponents. He held himself against the ropes, covered up, went like this, covered up, stuck his tongue out, covered up, and didn't move. This is the same type of situation that I was seeing, but on his back. And obviously it didn't play out. He kept taking a beating. And the main reason is Khabib never gets tired. Let's be honest. He doesn't get tired. Uh, Dominic, the last one from me. You have one of the most legendary mothers in MMA, Mrs. Yusuf Hope Cruz. What usually the last thing she told you before the fight, when you go to fight? Before every fight, I pray with my mother. We pray to my higher power, Jesus Christ, and we just ask to be in the moment and be present and be grateful for the opportunity. And that's it. As long as I do that, um, I'm, I'm ready to go do my job. So, um, yeah, I'm a mama's boy, that's for sure. Dominic, thank you very much. We love you. Best luck. Thank you. We will take the last set of questions from Damon Martin with MMA Fighting. And Martin. Hey, Dom. Uh, going back to earlier, you talked about, you know, picking the referee. I'm curious, uh, because you are an analyst and obviously a fighter, who would be the referee? If you could pick your referee for this fight, who would it be? Honest to God, I don't care as long as it's not Keith Peterson. <laughs> so you don't rate don't anyone care. higher than the others? No, I don't. Hey, listen, I didn't come up with this by accident. I came up with this because in the back before the fight where nobody's there, I had a conversation with this man and said, let me go out on the shield. And when you stop a fight with one second left, you're not doing this your job right when I'm defending myself. So we also, I had to stop him the referees in the back go through the rules with you. And they're saying, don't hit a down opponent, don't eye gouge, don't hit 12 to 12 to six with elbows. They're going through the whole spiel. I had to stop him in the middle of that and say, hey, hey, Keith, can you re go over that? I can't really understand you. Can you, and I had to grab him and get my face and look him in the eyes and say, hey, you know, I need you for this fight, right? And he could not look me in the eyes. I don't know what his deal was that night. It might be just that night, I don't know, but that's all I'm talking about is that night. So I had a real issue. I've never had to do that with any referee in the history of fighting ever. I mean, I've been doing this for 16 years. I've never, I've never felt that energy from a referee other than him. So as a result, I don't feel safe with that man. That's all I can say. Everybody else, 
cool, let's go. With that being said, uh, with this particular fight, Dom, you know, as a lot of people have said going into this, they were maybe surprised that you ended up getting Casey Kenny, and obviously you accepted the fight, uh, and, and you're, you're fighting on Saturday night, but uh, do you think that more people should be willing to fight, you know, up-and-comers or prospects, however you want to look at it? Because we see this a lot. I had this conversation with Benil Dariush where he kind of gets frustrated where some of the top-ranked lightweights don't want to fight the guys below them in the rankings. I always want a higher-ranked guy. I want a, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, this is you know, obviously a big chance for him, and maybe people will say, well, you should beat Casey Kenney. He's not, you know, at a dominant cruise level. I mean, that's all interpretation, you see? Like, everybody's got their interpretations, but – Who's, uh, if we start giving Casey Kenny more money, we just move him up in the rankings because you have to, because he's making more money. So you got to face him against tougher guys. The ranking has nothing to do with their skill set. It has to do with the money that they're being made and how many times they've rewritten their contract with the UFC. That's the rankings. It, that's it. I've, I've had many contracts with the UFC. I'm ranked higher. Um, Casey Kenny is new, newer. He's on a three fight win streak. When he renegotiates his contract, uh, win, lose, or, or draw in his in his fights, as long as he stays with the UFC, he'll make more money on the next set. So that's the way this works. You fight, you, you sign for six fights, and the money pay goes up if you're doing your job right. My job, I've been doing my job right for many years, so my, my pay went up, um, so I'm ranked. Um, I don't, Benil Dariush saying that more guys should be willing to face unranked fighters. I mean, again, that's, that's his experience and his interpretation of the whole situation, which is fine. I'm not opposed to that. Um, but I just got given this fight by the matchmaker and saw that the guy's on a three fight winning streak. And I said, okay, the guy's not a chump. If he's on a three fight winning streak, let's go. He's winning. Like, let's fight. Let's go. Do you think it would be better, and I hear this from so many fighters, that maybe the rankings create more problems than they fix? I don't know what the rankings are, man. I don't really care. Who makes the rankings for the guys that don't fight? Who cares? I can remember being ranked number two on the pound-for-pound pound list. My goal was to be number one on the pound-for-pound pound list, and I was so close. But the guy who was ranked above me, I beat for five rounds. It wasn't close. It was Demetrius Johnson. And he was ranked above me on the pound-for-pound pound list after I'd beaten him. That made no sense to me. But guys who make the list don't fight. So what do they know? They don't fight. They don't know anything. Let's be honest. Guys who don't fight don't know this. They don't know it the way we know it who have fought. That's just a fact. Just like if I wanted to go be, be in your job, I'd have to do TV for a while. I'd have to ask the right question. I'd have to go be a journalist in school. Wouldn't you say if I wanted to go jump into your job, would you say I could do your job better than you, David Martin? I would hope not. It's exactly <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. So maybe fighters need to be doing the rankings. Fair enough. Uh, last one for me, I'm only bringing it up. You mentioned somebody asked you earlier about TJ Dillashaw. I'm going to ask you to put, kind of put on your analyst hat here. Uh, obviously, a lot of talk has been going on about the title fight this week and Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling and you know, who will who will the winner face next. And, and a lot of people say TJ should get an automatic title shot. As a guy who fought TJ, and you mentioned obviously the the, the you know maybe allegations or or, or uh, at least questions you had about you know what he might have been doing during the fight. Obviously, he's coming off a two year suspension. Uh, maybe it's a broader question, but do you think guys coming off a suspension like that should jump right into a title fight, or do you, maybe they should have to earn it? man 
anybody who gets done cheating uh, should not get a title shot after they're done cheating. Like, what sense does that make? You're going to throw them right back at the top? Makes no sense to me. But again, this is about um, viewership, not what's right and wrong. Let's not get it twisted. Um, that's it. This is about views. And TJ Dillshaw can fight. And people know he can fight. So they want to get the view. The, the, the organization wants to get views. So if they can get more views having TJ fight after a layoff uh, or after a suspension, then they're going to do it because it's about getting the most money in one view. That, that's what this that's what this fighting thing is about. That's what prize fighting is. Um, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me to 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 give him that opportunity. And um, you know, if you really want to dock a fighter that's been cheating, I think that they should uh, have their pay relinquished after they come after they come back from cheating, and their money should be docked in their next couple fights rather than docked for what they fought. Because you know, when you're coming back. That's the real, that's the real challenge um, is, is, you know, he's going to get a layoff of two years. He got a bunch of stem cells. He got double shoulder surgery. He got a lot of rest. Uh, what, a, I mean, to me, he got a gift. He didn't get a suspension. He got a gift. Thanks, Tom. Thanks so much, Tom. That is all the time we had for you, sir. We appreciate it. Thanks. And that concludes today's virtual media day. We would like to thank everyone for participating and your supporting coverage. We will distribute video downloads from today's event to your emails as soon as they are available. A reminder, the UFC 249 press conference takes place tomorrow at 2 p.m. PT and will stream on all UFC platforms. Have a great day, everyone.